The following audio is from City Rev Church. For more information about City Rev Church, visit us online at cityrev.org. So uh, I'm a dad uh, twice, which is great. Yeah, yeah, let's give it up. Yeah, man. But I, yeah, I've got, I've got two kids. They're both real uh, little, but probably nothing else in my life has changed my life like being a dad, like having kids. I remember, you know, when my firstborn uh, was on the way and just how stressful that was, just making sure that she was okay, that my wife was gonna be okay. Like at the time we had recently, uh, the place we'd been renting had been sold. And so we had to move kind of out to the country. And I was living like 45 minutes away from the hospital. And my wife was like, eight and a half months pregnant. And I was very concerned that my child would be born on the side of the highway. It was like a great fear of mine. I was worried about it. Our family had come too far to have this kid be born outside. She was gonna be born indoors. That was my goal. She's gonna be born in the hospital. And I was really worried about it. And uh, so as we got closer and closer, you know, just the nerves kind of cranked up. And I remember the day that it finally happened, we had gone to the hospital and they had checked on the baby. My wife had, you know, they'd run some tests and uh, then they sent us off and we ate lunch and ran some errands and we were on our way home. We were about five minutes away uh, from our house. So we were pretty far uh, from the hospital. We got a call from the doctor and they said, hey, you know, we got the results back from the tests. A couple of numbers are kind of high. Like we think this baby's coming, you need to come back. And I just remember it was just like, stress, like panic, like go time, right? And so I quickly made a U-turn. We got back on the highway. I was driving way too fast. I was thinking through all the things that you need to think through, right? Like, do we have uh, her clothes? Do we have the baby's clothes? Do we have a car seat in here? Yeah, we got the car seat in here. Like, do I have my stuff? Do I have my toothbrush? Like, no, I'll figure it out. Like, we'll improvise when we get there, right? We just go and we, we fly to the hospital and we got there okay. The baby was not born on the side of the road. My fears were relieved. And it was a long process, it was difficult, um, uh, many hours, and, and eventually she, she was born. My, my little girl, my firstborn, she was there. And I remember I, I looked at her, and some of you, if you're your parents, and you know that feeling where you're just like, wow, every, everything has changed. Like, I did not know I could feel this for another person, especially someone I'd just met, like I just met her, she just got here, and I'm just like, whatever you need, like, like I'm there for you, right? Like whatever needs to happen in my life to make your life better, I'm doing it. And, and you, know, you know what that feels like. And things started to change in my life, right? Some of, it, some of it out of discipline, right? I used to stay up all night and then my kids like to get up really early every day. They just don't like sleeping in. It's just not what they like to do. And so over time, you're like, okay, I gotta, I gotta adjust. I gotta go to bed earlier, right? So some of it's discipline, right? But there's also some of it that changes out of your own desire because of your love for your kid, right? Like once, you, once I had my daughter and people were like, hey, you know, this, this person's in town, do you wanna go to this concert? It's like, no, I just, I just wanna stay home with her. Or someone's like, hey, you know, this, uh, you wanna come out, you wanna come watch the game and get food? It's like, like no, I just, I just wanna stay home with her. And like all my single friends were like, man, you used to be fun. And it's like, I, I'm not anymore, but it's great. I love it, right? Like I love my life. And everything starts to change. And from the outside looking in, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And those of you know that, right? Like without kids, you're like, man, why would you do that? Like, man. But then those of you who have been on the other side, like, man, the joy that I get from this is I wouldn't trade it for anything. 
And it's interesting to me that God relates to us as our father. And the Bible talks about Jesus and his death on the cross as the greatest act of love in the history of the world. And it's out of this love and this new identity that's born that that we make a decision to follow after Jesus, right? And then we we take on this new identity. We say, okay, I'm going to follow after Jesus and we carry the name Christian, right? Like we take this new identity. And then out of this identity and this understanding of what God has done for us, our lives start to, to transform. And we start to live in a new way that's different. And, and from the outside looking in seems difficult. And so for those of you here who maybe have never given your life to the Lord and you say, hey, I'm not a, I'm not a Christian. Sometimes you look at Christians, right? You look at us and you're like, I, I just don't get it. It seems like you give up a lot. It seems like there's just a great cost to fall after the Lord. Like why, why carry that, that burden? But for those of us who have made that decision who are on the inside, we understand what Jesus has done for us about his, his great love for us and what he calls us to, we realize, oh, this is the better way, the, the greater way to live. And we actually start to realize, oh, if, if I follow after the Lord, instead of following my own desires, Jesus is a much kinder master than my selfish desires are. That this is actually a better, greater way to live. There's actually a lot of, of freedom in it. And it, it's just hard to see from the outside looking in. So, so let's look at the scriptures and, and see what the Apostle Paul has to say about this. And we'll, we'll dive more into it. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open up with me to Colossians chapter 3. And we're going to be looking at verse uh, 17. This is the uh, crescendo of what the Apostle Paul has been writing about in this letter. And we've been looking at it the past few weeks, uh, this chapter, chapter three, that he's talked about what it means to live for the Lord. He's talked about what it means to have the peace of Christ dwell within you. He's talked about what it means to have the word of Christ dwell within you. And then he builds up to this moment in Colossians three seventeen. He says, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, or in the Greek, literally, all you do in word or deed, so everything you say, every action you take, do everything or do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. All you do, all for Jesus. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. Your whole life, everything you say, everything you do and the thoughts even behind those actions, let it all be done in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's a high calling. That's a commitment of your whole life. Everything about you, every word you speak, every action you take be done in the name of the Lord Jesus. What does it mean to do things in the name of the Lord? One, it means to do things like Jesus would do them, right? If we're going to do everything in the name of Jesus, that means we're called to act like Jesus. In fact, the Bible says when you become a Christian and when you put your faith in Jesus and you give your life to Jesus, that you become an ambassador of God. 
that you represent him to the world, that you are a representative of Jesus to the people in your life. So to do everything in the name of Jesus is to become more like Jesus, right? We talk about that a lot. It's important. But to do everything in the name of Jesus is, means we also do everything for Jesus. There's a mission. There's a directive. There's a statement of how our goals are now aligned with his goals, how our life is now no longer ours, but, but his and how there's a, a, a blending of what was once our desires and our dreams has now been given up and now we follow after Christ's desires and dreams for our life. The Apostle Paul puts it plainly earlier in the chapter. If you go up with me just a little bit in the same chapter into verse one of chapter three, he says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. He's saying, if you've been raised with Christ, if you've been giving your life over to Jesus, and just that picture of baptism, you've now died with Christ and been raised with him. Now this new life has begun and, begun and it's in him, it's in Christ. Then he says, then, then live like it. Elevate your desires. Don't desire the things of this world. Desire the things of heaven where Christ is. Don't think so much of the things of this world. Think of the things of, of heaven where, where Christ is. Have a, a new heavenly perspective. He puts it bluntly in verse three. He says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You have died and your life is hidden with Christ. The way the Bible describes being a Christian is very different than maybe our cultural understanding of being a Christian. For us, it's, hey, I prayed a prayer. I walked an aisle. I checked a box on a card. I put on the God jersey, right? He's, he's, I'm now a fan of God like I was a fan of the dolphins. Now I'm a fan of God. Like, no. To, to follow after Christ means you have died and your life is now hidden in him. You've given up everything full surrender. I, I no longer live for me, but now I live for Jesus. This is the call that the apostle Paul says. This is, this is the call that the Bible says Jesus has called us to. The famous pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German pastor said, when, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Give it all up all for Jesus. And again, from the outside looking in, people will be like, what? why would I do that? For those of you here, because you know, your family brought you or a friend brought you and saying like, I'm not a Christian, like, why would, I want to, why would I want to do that? Why would I go through such a great sacrifice and give up my life, my desires for Jesus? Look what Paul says in verse four. Because when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Because what the apostle Paul lived his life telling people about and what people for millennia have understood and tried to figure out is that there's more than just this life, that, that you have more waiting for you. 
than just 80 to 90 years here on this earth. And that if we believe the things that the Bible says, that Jesus has won and purchased for us an eternal life with him in heaven forever. And he promises one day to return from heaven and establish his eternal kingdom. And that those who have given their life to Jesus and have followed after Jesus and made him their life, that they will be with him in glory forever. So you start to see the, the logic a little bit. He reminds us of heaven. And you start to see how the math starts to change a little bit. That if what the Bible is saying is true and there is an eternity before me, and all I have is 80 to 90 years here on earth, well, man, it makes more sense to secure that future than just this short, temporary time here. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He says, man, remember, remember Christ who is your life. He will return and those who are with him will appear with him in glory. And so because of what he's done, because of what's to come, we do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. I think a lot of us get there. I think there's a lot of people in our world who get there, who say like, okay, I get it. Like I go to church and Jesus offers me heaven. And so like, I, I try to live for him, right? I try to clean up my life. Like, like Jesus, you know, he's, he's giving me a place and um, I, I'm thinking about, I want to go to heaven, be there with, you know, my loved ones. And so like, I try to clean up my life a little bit. Maybe I'll drop something in the offering plate or, you know, maybe I'll go to church occasionally or, you know, I, I try not to cuss as much anymore. You know, I stopped smoking. You're like, okay. Like it's, it's almost this like give back to God a little bit, like depending on our understanding of how much he's given to us. Like, okay, God, I'll give you a little tip. I'll give you a little bit back. That is not what the Bible describes is a life. Of faith. The Bible says, man, it is full surrender. It is all encompassing. And what happens when we live this way of like, okay, Lord, you've, you've done this for me. Let me try to give a little bit back to you is that we, we then try to, to change our lifestyle out of really obligation and a duty to God. And we know religious people like that. Like that's the caricature of religious people in our society. Is like people who do good things for the Lord, but seem miserable doing it, right? And they get up in front and they talk to you about having the joy of the Lord. And you're like, hey, I'm not really sure what that is, but you don't have it. Like you're not happy. And then if I can press a little bit, some of us live like this in front of our kids. And our kids see that. They say, if that's what it is to follow Jesus, like I'm good. because we're missing something. And what the Bible is saying is we're missing an element of gratitude. That it's thanksgiving that leads to joy. He says that at the end of, of verse 17, he says, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We do everything in the name of Jesus out of thankfulness, out of gratitude to who he is and to what he's done. And a lot of times when we're just trying to give back to God and it seems like a burden and it seems like an obligation, I think what it shows is a shallow understanding of what God has done. Because we think, okay, Lord, you, you've done something for me, so I'm gonna do something for you. When we don't understand all that he has done for us, 
and that anything we can offer him is just a small, small fraction of what he has done for us. So the way to live for God and not dry out or, or burn out or crash in depression is to, to live it out of a life of gratitude and let that gratitude turn into joy and that joy overflow into service and a life lived for him. So to do that, we have to understand what God has done. So if you, you look at the story of the Bible, God created humanity, you and me, Adam and Eve, our forefathers, and then man's sin led to a separation between God and mankind. That our sin separated us from God and with sin came death and destruction and disease and selfishness. And then for generations, people were just clawing at the dirt and clawing at each other, just trying to get ahead, just trying to oppress one another, just trying to gain a little bit of power and security and comfort and just, you know, it was very cutthroat. And, and God intervened. And in this, he sent Jesus. And Jesus came and, and lived a life without sin. That Jesus came and lived a, a perfect life and died on the cross for you and me, a death that he didn't deserve. And that he was crucified and he was buried in the tomb and on the third day rose from the dead, securing for us life, eternal life in him. And he changed our course. Because you see, before Jesus, all humanity was trapped in sin and death and what we were headed towards under the curse of sin was we were headed towards eternity and eternity separated from God in a place that the Bible calls hell. But God sent Jesus to change that course. And Jesus conquered sin and death. And he said, hey, hey, there's a new way to live, a better way to live. And in fact, those who follow after me, they won't experience this death. No, what they experience now is life, a new life that starts here, a spirit that indwells you, the spirit of God that indwells you, and a new life that starts an eternal life that will go on forever with him forever. And for all your family and for all those who have fallen asleep in Christ, you will be with them forever for those who follow the Lord. The Bible says it wasn't just a better way to live like a new philosophy, like Jesus came and taught some good morals or he taught some tips on how to have a better life. No, 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 no. The Bible teaches that Jesus pulled us out of the pit, pulled us out of death, and then brought us into life, true life as it should be. And then he promises one day he will return and bring his kingdom and usher in a new kingdom where things will be as they should. No more death, no more disease, no more sin, no more pain, no more tears. That's what Jesus brings. If this is our mindset, if this is our frame of reference, if this is the way we see it, then okay, it's not, all right, God, I can give a little bit back to you because of what you've done. It's like, no, Lord, you've, you've given me life. Like my whole life is yours and, and, and you've purchased it with your blood. And so if I give you my whole life, even then, it's just like not even what you've done for me. I'm not even paying you back. It's, it's full surrender all for Jesus 
but then it comes with joy because we know what he pulled us from. There's another passage I really like where Jesus explains it this way in Matthew chapter 13. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all he has and buys that field. Like, man, from the outside getting in, it's like, man, why would I give up my life for the Lord? And for those of us on the inside who understand and get it, like, man, I was destined for death, and now the Lord has purchased and brought me life. We say, okay, it's worth everything. Anything I sell, anything I give up, it is small in comparison to the value of the eternal life that Jesus offers. And so like that man who finds the kingdom of heaven, like a treasure hidden in a field, he says, this is more valuable than anything I have. And so he goes and in his joy sells it all so that he can go and buy that field because he knows this is the greater treasure. This is the greater life. Jesus offers you a greater treasure. He offers you a greater life and a greater kingdom to serve. And for those of us who have understood that and, and realized that, it's led to a transformational shift in our lives. That Jesus has broken through the chains of mundanity. He breathes fresh passion and life into our lungs. And he gives us a new reason to live a greater treasure, a greater kingdom, a greater purpose. And this heavenly view of life leads us to see the world a little bit differently. Um, I like to play this game called Connect Four. Yeah, you play this game? Yeah, likes it, yeah. I like to play with my nephew, who's four years old, because that's the level of competition that I'm at. And uh, when we play Connect Four together, uh, I try to connect four checkers, like put four in a row, like the game's supposed to be played. Um, what he likes to do is try to put as many checkers in as he possibly can, as fast as he possibly can, and to fill up all the little circles with checkers. And so our strategies are a little bit different. And if you would watch our game, we approach the game a little bit different, right? Because we have different goals in mind. For you and for me, if our life has been bought, blood bought by Jesus, and we start to understand, okay, there's something beyond this life. My life is not about just these 80 to 90 years maximizing my comfort, maximizing my pleasure, maximizing my security, but actually there's an eternity out there for me to plan for and think about and secure. Then the way we live our lives starts to look a little strange to the outside world because we've got different goals, because we've got different way to play the game. So we've been going through this thing called the um, 200 Reasons Initiative. This is our uh, practice that we've been doing every morning, uh, 10 reasons why we are grateful uh, for what God has done. And, and it starts on a high level, right? We start on a high level of, man, the, the, the creation and the, the sacrifice of Jesus and and also just our, our everyday stuff is included in there too, right? Like our relationships and our family and all these things that we can be grateful for. And what we've been finding throughout the scriptures in Colossians 3 is that gratitude can lead to 
life change. Because gratitude leads to contentment, and contentment leads to freedom, and freedom leads to joy. And we found this works in every part of our life. And so this week, we want to work on a little bit more to this 200 Reasons initiative about what God has provided for us and what we have in our life. And specifically, like the everyday things, like you know, what has God given you that's like physically in your life? Because one of the strangest parts of being a Christian in America is that we live so much like everybody else. And so from the outside looking in, they say, man, you're a Christian, but you're chasing after the same things as me. It's just like you're doing it worse. So why would I want to be a Christian? It's like you're trying to live the same way as I am and find joy in the same things as me, but then you like hold yourself back and you know, tie an arm around your back. Like, why would I do this? When what God is calling us to is this radical revolutionary way of seeing our life as just a, a preamble, a precursor to an eternity in heaven. And so our life should look a lot different. And I think gratitude is the key there for us. So let's talk about a couple things real quick. Let's talk about a couple ways that we can practice gratitude and the transformational impact it can have on our lives. The first is when it comes to wealth. And I think of just the big ones. We don't have time to talk through everything, but the big ones, I think of like our house and our car. What we find is that naturally we are bent towards discontentment. I mean, our whole world's set up this way to sell you on more stuff, right? And so we buy a house. Like I remember when we bought our condo a couple years ago, I just like sat on the floor being like, man, this is like ours. Like, this is amazing. And then like six months later, I'm like, we need to buy a bigger house. Like, we just don't have enough room. Like, look, we just feel so crammed in here. That our, our life, when we think of like our home, man, it's just discontentment is easy to set in. And a lot of us are thinking, man, I just need, I just need more. Like, I just need a bigger house. I just need more square footage. I need a, a nicer neighborhood. I just, I need more bedroom. Like, we, it just grows and grows and grows. And then you move into a bigger house with a bigger loan. And then you're like, hey, this isn't big enough. I need to do it again. And then you go and you move again. And, and it just is this endless cycle that, that weighs you down and traps you and never provides joy. But what the Lord is saying is, hey, like, that's not what life's about. The Lord is saying, hey, the joy is found in, in him. And actually, if we practice gratitude and with a heavenly perspective that this is not our home, right? The Bible describes us as Christians, as foreigners, as strangers, as aliens on earth, just passing through that our citizenship is in heaven. And I was like, hey, whatever house I'm in, it's not my forever home. Like, it's all going to pass away. And with that mindset that it's, that it's going to pass away and that greater joy is in the Lord, we can start to see everything that God has given to us as a bonus. Like, all right, Lord, you've, you've sent me down here for a purpose and a mission to serve you and you could have had me, you know, living in a cardboard box, but I've got a home. I've got air conditioning. I've got hot running water. I've got a place for my family to sleep at night. Like I'm protected from the rain and the wind. Like, like I've got lights on, like I've got food here. 
And you just start to think and, and practice gratitude. Lord, I'm thankful for this. And you start to offer it back to the Lord with an open hand of God, you've given me this much. You've given me so much. Like, I love this. Like, I love this part of my house. I, I love this part of, of the bedrooms, of the yard, of, of my furniture. Like, whatever you have in your head, like, I love this. Thank you, Lord. And this crazy thing happens. That as you start to practice contentment, you start to, or start to practice gratitude, you find contentment and joy in what you have. And then as you have more contentment and joy in what you have, that need and that want, that desire for more starts to suppress. And then you kind of can start to see a little bit more clearly. And you start to think, well, what do I really need? How much is enough? Because if you let the world decide how much is enough, it's never going to be enough. But if you start to think, okay, Lord, you've given me this, like, what is enough for me and my family? Then you get to the point where you have enough. How amazing would that be? Then you're not working and striving for a bigger house and a bigger loan payment and a bigger mortgage. Like, like, Lord, I have enough. Like, this is enough. I can, I can rest. And what it does is it frees up so many things in your life. Like, one, you don't have to move anymore. Praise the Lord, you don't have to move anymore. Like, and I've played that game too. Like, I've gone to my wife and been like, hey, if we sell our house now and we move to Central Florida, we could buy this house. And if we sell our house and we move to Missouri, we could buy a really big house. And I think if we sell our house and retire, we could go to Vietnam and retire. We could probably retire if we go there. And it's just like, well, your life is here. Like, you don't have to move. You don't have to go chasing after more and more and more stuff and a bigger and bigger house. Like, you can just have enough. And imagine if you didn't have to save up for another down payment or, or make enough in your budget, like chase after another person. You could probably drop maybe one of your jobs. <laughs> like, I love, I love being back in South Florida and just talking. I was talking to a friend who talked to another friend who was like, man, everybody in South Florida has like a second job. Like they're, they have like a real job and then they also have another real job. And it's like, what, I think like you'd be all right in that first career, but like now you're also doing real estate. You also have this online business. You also have, you know, this extra tutoring. Like what, like what, like it's just always more, right? Because we feel that need. I got to get ahead. I got to get more. I got to earn more. Like what if we could find that we have enough and take a breath, free up some time, free up some money on the things of the Lord. And can, can I just poke another bear just for a second? Can I talk about our cars? <laughs> what if we just had enough in our cars? What if we thank the Lord for what we have? Like, Lord, I thank you for my car that goes down the road. Thank you for getting me to my home, getting me to work, getting me to school. Thank you that I don't have to walk. Thank you that, you know, I don't have to be out in the rain and, and biking through the rain and just being grateful for, for what we have. And then maybe we wouldn't be so quick to buy into the advertising and say, man, I need a $100,000 car. Like what if or something, a fraction of that could serve the same purpose? And I'm not speaking from judgment. Like I'm speaking because I'm there, right? Like I go all the time, like, look at this sweet deal. 
And people are like, why, why do you need a four-wheel drive and off-roading capabilities? You drive to the church every day and then drive home. <laughs> I don't know, man, but I want one. But like, what if we didn't buy into that stuff, right? What if we had was enough instead of a $100,000 car, we were thinking of something maybe 20,000 or 30,000, like, and you just had that freedom. You had a lower payment or you had money in the bank that you could use on other things. Like it would free us up to, to be like, okay, Lord, I, I'm gonna trust you in this, that greater joy is found in you, not in more stuff, right? And we could start to live a little differently. We'd have more time maybe to give to our families or the things of the Lord. We'd have more money to support the things that really matter, like the four kids video we saw, like, man, those needs. And then one more that I'll pick on for us in our life, uh, our, our health, what we, what we talk about is our health, wellness. Um, wh- what if we went to the Lord with gratitude for, for who we are? Um, and our health, right? Lord, thank you that I'm here today. Thank you for the, the things that I can do. Thank you for, for how you've made me. And look, we, we all have those images, right? Like, this is what my life should be, right? This is what my, my body should look like. This is what my, my mental and emotional health should be. I should be in peace all the time. But we're, we're citizens of another kingdom, right? And our, our life is not about these 80 to 90 years. So my goals are different than the rest of the world. And so the rest of the world, their goal might be, hey, I'm going to look as good as I possibly can look. And I'm going to get as healthy as I can physically and mentally. And then anything that infringes or pushes on that health, well, I need to cut it out, set up some boundaries, don't need to do that. Whereas the Lord says, no, 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 I, I've given you this life. Your days are numbered. He holds you in his hands. And he has created you and, and given you the health and, and strength and ability you have at whatever level it is for a purpose for his, his kingdom. And if the model we follow is the guy who wrote this letter, the apostle Paul, he says, I pour out my life as an offering for the Lord. Like I, I, I risk my life. I, I take on the hits for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of our Lord Jesus. And it's an honor to share in his sufferings. And so for us, we kind of say like, hey, like the end goal of my health is to be healthy. But from a heavenly perspective, the end goal of my health is to then serve the Lord and serve other people. And I'm not saying that means we should just be unhealthy people, right? Like, no, like there's a benefit to it. But, but again, go to the heart. Like, what's the purpose? For some of you, this would free up a lot of your life, a lot of time and money and insecurity. If you could look at your life and your health and your abilities and be like, hey, what I have right now, it's enough. It's enough. And free up this sense of like, I don't have to protect it. I can give it, I can use my life for the sake of others. Think of what it could do for our kingdom. To go and to stretch and to push yourself and to serve those around you. You see how it all kind of builds 
on each other, if we believe in the gospel, what Jesus has done for us, if this is not our home, but heaven is our home, if we're doing everything in the name of the Lord because of what he's done for us, then our life starts to change. And then this other crazy thing happens that as you start to give things up for the Lord, you find more joy. And you think, okay, Lord, like I'll go wherever you call me to go. I'll go do whatever you call me to do. And we think, Lord, I'm going to do this great sacrifice. I'm going to go serve you. And then you find joy in it. I work in student ministry. Uh, yeah, you don't have to laugh, all right? Like, I know, it's a lifestyle choice. Maybe a poor decision for some of you, but I, no, I did, right? And I talk to all, like our leaders a lot, and I love talking to a new leader because a new leader is all about the mission, right? Hey, I'm gonna sign up, take on this, this group, middle schoolers, give them my Wednesday nights for Jesus, for the Lord, I give back to him. He's done so much for me. I had a mentor in my life who changed my life, so I'm gonna kind of give back, pay it forward. I'm gonna go serve with them. And then they get involved, and there are challenges. There are headaches, but you check in with them two years later, three years later, and there is great joy. And they think, man, what a gift. Like, these kids make me laugh every week. Like, they bring joy to my life. And what started as something that you were going to pay back for God now becomes just another blessing, another gift from God, because that's, that's who he is. He, he calls us to a better life. He is a good father. And everything he calls us to sacrifice, he promises to pay us back tenfold. So anyone who gives up father, mother, brother, sister, family for my sake will receive more in heaven. Like, that's his nature. He's good. And he's calling us to freedom out of the chains of slavery and sin and death, but also freedom from the chains of our world and the rat race and just the everyday, like, bogged down, stressed out life that we live here in South Florida, he's calling you to something higher, a higher way to live. So for those of us here who are thinking, man, I, I just feel like you're, you're calling us to, to give up too much. Like the life to fall after Jesus calls me to sacrifice too much. I'm gonna miss out on all that I can get from my life. I'm gonna share this with you. This is from the author, um, C.S. Lewis. He's a Christian author. He says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he can't imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea, we are far too easily pleased. The Lord is saying, man, I've got something so much better for you. There's a way to live that is so much better. It is full of peace. It is full of joy. It is full of rest and meaning and purpose that gets you up in the morning and going. 
it is so much better than the slavery of sin and the rat race of this world. But what it takes is a step to surrender all. It's all for Jesus. Lord, it, it's all for you. I give you my life and I offer it to you with open hands. And then I let you guide me and put whatever you want back into it. And anything I get from, from baseline is a bonus. And what we find is freedom and rest and peace and purpose in Jesus. Everything in the name of Jesus, all for Jesus. So for those of you here who are saying, man, like I'm on the outside looking in and I still don't really get it, but man, I, I, I want to try it. Then I just, I just want to pray. And the first step is just a commitment to the Lord of saying, Lord, it's, it's yours. My life is yours. And it's just a prayer of surrender. My life is hidden in you, Christ. Everything I have is yours. And then let him lead. See what he does with it. And is he the good father that he says he is? Live for him. And see. Let's close in our time of prayer. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would show us what it means to live a life for you. What it means to give up ourselves in search of something greater. Lord, I pray for my friends here who are just on the outside looking in and they want the peace and they want the life and they want the purpose, but it just seems like a great cost. God, I pray that you would bring a greater faith. Lord, that you would draw them to yourself, adopt them into your kingdom, send your spirit and give them a new life. And Lord, I pray for my friends here who are just feel like they're trapped in the cycle. Lord, that you would give them wisdom and discernment on what is enough. That you would bring freedom, Lord. A fresh perspective on what it means to live for you and all they already have in you. And Lord, that they would challenge, man, what more do I need? God, I pray that you would bless us. That we would be a people who live all for you. And Lord, that you would use us. And that one day we'd be with you in your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen. Hey, for some of you here, um, you maybe just put uh, your trust in Jesus for the first time. You're saying, well, now, now what? Well, an easy way to uh, learn the next steps is to go to cityrev.org slash faith. Uh, we'd love to just uh, get in contact with you, send you a Bible and help you uh, on this journey of faith. And for those of you who remember saying, hey, I, I just got stuff going on and the Lord's been working on me this week and I just, I need prayer. We've got um, some prayer team down here uh, up front and we would love for you to come up and receive prayer uh, for them. But we're gonna finish our time in a time of worship. So would you stand with me? And then uh, we'll sing together. Thanks for listening. For more resources and to check out other teaching series, please visit our website at cityrev.org. If you would like to speak to somebody about beginning a relationship with Jesus or ask any questions you have about this teaching, you can email us at podcast at cityrev.org.